Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Well, I'm going to start this morning uh, by reading three passages of Scripture. Uh, Two are from the New Testament and one is from the Old Testament. And both the New Testament passages uh, quote the same proverb. And it's Proverbs 3.34. But we're going to read uh, the New Testament quoting those and then a great Old Testament Scripture and get stuck into this message. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read James chapter 4, verse 4 to 10. Says this, you adulterous people. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to church. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to to dwell in us? But He gives us more grace and that is why Scripture says, and here's the quoting of Proverbs, says, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Good morning. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 9, grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. 1 Peter chapter 5 quotes the same proverb. Let's read this. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, anyone younger here this morning? Amen. Submit yourselves to your elders, all of you, which is now everybody now. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, here's the proverb, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. There's that same thought again. Lastly, Psalms 138 verse 6. We're going to read the New King James Version. It says this, Though the Lord is on high, yet He regards the lowly. And here's such a scary scripture. It says, but the proud he knows from afar. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The proud he knows from afar. Church, I don't know about you, but I as an individual do not wanna be in opposition to God. I do not want God to resist me. I do not wanna be as an individual As a man, I do not want to be in opposition to God. And I don't want to know God from afar. I would love to be able to know God up close. I would love to be able to walk close with God. That Scripture, both of them speak to that. And the key is humility. To not be in opposition to God and to walk closely with God, we must have humility. Because if we don't, it says that we are filled with pride and God resists the proud. He opposes the proud and He knows proud people from afar. This morning, we're going to read a a lot of fantastic Scriptures about pride and humility. And I've had to work really hard this week to cut this down because I bit off a bit more than I could chew. 
I felt in my heart a few weeks ago when I knew I was preaching, I'd love to talk about pride and humility. So usually what I do is I'll, I'll uh, get into Scripture, get into some commentary, some concordances, pull out all the thoughts. And um, I couldn't pull them all out. There's just too many. Pride is like money in the Bible. It is in there way more than you think it is. And it's fundamental to a whole lot more than you think it is and foundational to a whole lot more than you think it is. So I'm scratching the surface today and I'm actually doing part one of a two-part message And um, we're going to look at what the Bible says about pride and humility. And I do want to encourage you today to take notes purely for the fact that I'm going to throw a lot of Scriptures out there. And I would encourage you to go and read them later, especially when we look at the story of King Nebuchadnezzar, which if you're uh, having a baby boy soon is a great recommendation for a name. (laughs) So maybe pray about that one. But Everyone, you may be aware if you've been in church over the last uh, few months that we've been talking as a church about wisdom building the house. And it's really been a word over our church in this season. And my dad, Pastor Jared, has been preaching on that and some of the team on wisdom building the house. And I want to say that one of the wisest things that you can do in life is pay great attention daily to where you sit on the spectrum of pride and humility. Pay great attention daily. And we say daily because my dad will often say, you can go to bed humble and wake up proud. Every day we have to start again on this process. It is a great journey that we must commit to. But one of the wisest things you can do is daily assess, where am I on the spectrum today as it pertains to pride and humility? James 3 verse 13, a passage I've been preaching on lately says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Just a show of hands. Okay, that's good. Says, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done, listen to this, in the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, there's a couple of concepts in the Bible, everybody, that are similar to the chicken and the egg issue. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Who says chicken? Who says egg? Who says cook them both? Yeah. (laughs) It's a funny question. What came first? And I've preached on the concept of faith and confession and what comes first. And I actually think biblically, it's hard to ascertain which one comes first. I'll give you an example. If I say out of my mouth, God, I know that you are with me. I've said it. And even just me saying it just then has put a bit of faith in me that I believe that. But then sometimes I believe that. And so I say it. And I don't know which one comes first sometimes. Is it conviction or is it confession? I don't know. Cook them both. Um, But I would say that humility and wisdom are very similar. Humility attracts wisdom because wisdom comes from God. And if you're humble, God's not resisting you. It says He gives grace to the humble. So He's gracing you with more wisdom. But then if you're wise, you have a great value for humility. So I'm not sure which one comes first. Cook them both. So I've got four points this morning to help us around pride and humility. And and they can be declarations or statements that you might want to make. Definitely, I'd encourage you to make them convictions in your heart. And I was joking in the last service, if it helps, make them things you write on your mirror. Um, If it's a shared mirror, uh, maybe you share, you know, the mirror with your spouse or it's in the car, just be careful because they're a bit full on. I'm just giving you a heads up. There's some strong stuff here. I'm not apologising for it. I'm just giving you a heads up. It'll all make sense now. Point number one. (laughs) <laughs> I deserve nothing but holy judgment. See, this is why you don't want to put in your mirror if you share it with your little brother. Saying, I deserve nothing but holy judgment. This is a great conviction to have as a believer. Something to say and to allow to get deep into what you believe. 
Now, I did spend some time, everybody, trying to reword this point to make it more palatable. And I was sitting at Dome Bankshire Grove and I thought, what am I doing? This is a biblical truth. The Gospel is very offensive. I'm regularly offended by what the Scriptures say. If this offends you, praise God. It's true. You and I deserve nothing but holy judgment. I have graciously received everything that I have and am. Everything you have, everything you are, you have graciously received as a gift from a merciful, holy God. I was not expecting that to get a clap. Praise God. I like the 11am service. Now, church, this is different to what's available to us as believers. Because you might sit there and say, but what about my inheritance in God? I'm a child of God. What about my portion? Listen, they're things that are available to you because of the love and grace of God, but they are not things that you deserve. As a Christian, you get a bit of a cooked mindset if you think that things that are available to you in God are things that you deserve. You and I deserve nothing from God. We are owed nothing by God. I deserve nothing but holy judgment. Let's read Romans 12 verse three. It says this, this is Paul speaking. He says, for by the grace given me, and again, I love that. He's starting the statement saying, I'm saying this by the grace that God's given me. I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather, listen to this, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. The way we should think of ourselves is with sober judgment in light of what God has called me to be, in light of what God has called me to do, in light of what I need to do to be in His presence, in light of where I've come from, where I'm called to go. Sober judgment. God, I'm not worthy. God, You are so kind to me. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. Sober judgment. God, I need to be better to be in Your presence. I wanna be better to worship You. That's what that means. You know, I love how the apostles put it in Scripture. They say, wretched sinner that I am. And even when we sing the beautiful song, Amazing Grace, it's that saved a wretch like me. It is an important conviction to have that we are wretched sinners that God in His love and His mercy has adopted into His family, called His child, has given us an inheritance and many gifts, but we do not deserve it. We don't sing that song and say, that saved an amazing worthy child of God like me. Very quickly, that sort of theology will fall very flat and it will really cook what you believe from the core. We've got to remember from dust <laughs> I came and to dust I will return. I am but dust. Just turn to your neighbour and say you, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everything in between our beginning and our end is for us to get right with God, to walk with God and to glorify God. You know, Pastor Div preached on the prodigal son on Friday and shared the part of the story where he says, if only my father would take me back, maybe as a servant, perhaps he would consider it. That is, the, that is the heart, the right mindset of God that you would even think about allowing me to be in your presence. God, that you would consider me a child, I'm not worthy. That's a great mindset to have. It's the right mindset to have. You know, we just sang a worship song which sings in lyrical form parts of the Sermon on the Mount. And it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't say, Blessed are the legends full of just wisdom and purpose and they're fully sick and called and anointed. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. What is that? An acceptance. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I am empty. I have nothing to bring to the table. I have nothing and nothing to contribute. Because church, your capacity to contribute in, a, in any form of godly way comes from God. And we can say, yeah, but I carved it out. Yeah, but God gave you the ability to even do that. But I studied it. Yeah, but God is the only one that can reveal. Now, I've grown up in church as one of the pastor's kids. And this provides many blessings, but many complex issues as well. I do believe there could be a thing called pastor's kiditis. I'm not sure. But as a younger person, I was very good at giving an opinion on ministry matters to my dad. So Pastor Jared, our senior pastor, I, was, I felt quite comfortable letting him know how the church should be running. And, and I remember one particular conversation I had and um, I, I wanted to give him my two cents. I said, Dad, can I give him my two cents? And I proceeded to try and give him 50 bucks um, and let him know what I thought the church and, and he should be doing. Now, listen to this. Is there a chance I had some insight? Possibly. Possibly not, but Possibly. Did I have the right perspective or the right motive? Did I have humility? Well, I think that's answered in the way that I went about it. Would God give me at that time grace and insight into the church to give my dad? The answer is a flat no, because I was full of pride. Could I give him a good idea? Yes, maybe. Could I give him a God idea? Absolutely not. Because this is so important. Pride can produce good ideas, but it can never provide a God idea. You will never get godly advice from a proud person. You never get a God idea from a proud heart. A proud, a proud you is not a blessing to anybody. And here's why. Because God is resisting you. And because God is opposing you. You're in opposition to God. God will not grace you with wisdom and insight and understanding when you're in opposition to God. Pride can never give a God idea. It can give a good idea. But we as a church and as believers, we're not after the good ideas. We want the God ideas. So I need to be looking for humble voices. I need to develop within me humility so that I can have a little degree of confidence that what's coming out of me could be of God. You know, if you're uh, long tenured in church, you're the most at risk of this. If you are leaders' kids, you're very at risk of this uh, because God is resisting you and everything coming out of you is cooked up in, in, in an environment of resistance until we humble ourselves. All right, let's read what Moses wrote in Numbers 12 verse 3. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Thank you for that, Moses. Thank you. Moses wrote this. He wrote, he was the most humble man, more humble than anybody on the face of the earth. Now it's funny, but what we know of Scripture is that Scripture cannot exaggerate, Scripture will not lie. So this is true. So I, I bet Moses was getting that from the Holy Spirit and was writing it down. Oh, thank you, God. That's awesome. Because <laughs> it's true. Now I think it would be good for us to go, wow, if he was the most humble guy, I need to observe what was he doing that was humble. What, what behaviours, what heart things can I learn from? And one thing I observed of Moses is that he was better at making a case for why he couldn't than why he should. He was more proactive in making a case for why he should not be the one God uses than that he should be. 
Now, the healthy progression, I think, of many Christian leaders is to go from the bad place where I'm the right person at the right time for such a time of this, as this God has raised me up. I'm ready to go. You should go from that to who am I that God would even consider using me in this space? And John Bevere, Pastor John Bevere, has a study that draws attention to the chronological order of Paul's progression in this. So in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles. Then a few years later, when he wrote Ephesians, he says, I'm the least of all the saints. So now I'm not just the least of the leaders, I'm the least of all believers. Then a few years later in Timothy, he says, Christ came to save sinners of who I am chief. So we've got Moses, the most humble man in the world. He did not think he was right to be used by God. He did not think he was the right person to lead the Israelites. Paul says, I'm the worst of the leaders. In fact, I'm the worst of all believers. In fact, of sinners, I'm the chief. But often we sound like, hey, I am, I'm the right person right now to do this. I can do this. I'm called. And, and I know this is true because this was me. And I want to apologise to everybody that was in church when I first came on staff because I was that red hot young gun leader that was ready to flip everything on its head and do it amazing because I knew I had it. And I had the goods. <laughs> but listen, pride is a progression of self-celebration and humility is a progression of thankfulness to God. Pride is a progression of self-celebration. Humility is a progression of thankfulness to God. If you've ever questioned, oh God, I don't know if I'm the right person to, for God to use in this season. I love that heart. I think that's good. <laughs> I think that's good. I think you're heading in the right direction where you're saying, who am I? that God would use, that God would give me an opportunity, that God would raise me up, that God would entrust me with these gifts. That's a great heart. You know, thankfulness to God should increase with humility because all that we experience is better than what we deserve. All that I experience is better than what I deserve. So I'm growing in thankfulness. And this is like the chicken and the egg. I'm declaring this so that it gets into my spirit. I'm growing in thankfulness to God because I'm more and more becoming aware that what I really deserve is holy judgment. Everything else is better than what I deserve. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Okay, point number two. Mercifully, I get to try. So number one, I deserve nothing but holy judgment. Number two, mercifully, I get to try. The responsibility of stewarding our pride, thank goodness we get a crack at it first. We get to try before God will succeed. Trying is a win for us because it's an acknowledgement that I'm not right in this area. And we need to take it seriously as a personal pursuit, as a personal practice, because you better try or God will do it. <laughs> if you don't actively seek to humble yourself, God will. And it's far more painful and far more effective. And I think how God does that is that God will often lift things off you. He'll lift His hand off you. He'll lift His favour off you. He'll lift His protection off you. And you're like, Jordan, that doesn't make sense. We've just read God resists the proud. He opposes the proud. If you're in resistance to God, I don't see an image of His hand firmly on your head. And we say, God, I don't need your hand on my life. So He takes it away. God's hand comes off us for a season because we don't want it there, because we don't need it. If we don't clothe ourselves, everybody, with humility, 
God allows us to eat the harvest of the nonsense that we've been sowing so that it humbles us. He'll send something or someone to you or He'll remove something from you. Lack of humility causes us to place on others what is our responsibility and ours alone and certainly the responsibility to steward your pride. So we're going to have a look at the story of King Nebuchadnezzar and I'm not going to read the whole thing because the whole story is incredible. It's the whole chapter of Daniel 4 and I want to encourage you this week, make some time and just read Daniel 4. It's nuts. It's a crazy story. So I'm going to kind of zip through it a little bit, draw out some of the main points because this story of King Nebuchadnezzar is very scary. It should be sobering for us, but also gracious that we can read after the fact so that we don't do the same. So let's have a look at this story. Daniel chapter four, King Nebuchadnezzar is actually writing this. And it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace. Listen to what he said, contented and prosperous. And the Bible tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar begins to be tormented by a dream and he gathers all the magicians and all the sorcerers to try and give him an interpretation and none of them can. And then finally, a great man of God, Daniel, comes and gives the interpretation of the dream. And so this is what King Nebuchadnezzar says. He says, These are the visions I see while lying in bed. I look and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and it touched the top of the sky. In the the dream, a messenger comes and says to cut down the tree. And the messenger in the dream says, let his mind, so now we see the tree is actually a person. It says, let his mind be changed from that of a man and let let him be given the mind of an animal. It says in the scripture, the messenger declares the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on the earth. Now, Daniel interprets the dream. And I love what Daniel says. Daniel says, my king, if only this dream applied to one of your enemies. But in fact, the dream applied to King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel tells him this tree is you and you'll be driven away from people and will live in the wild with the animals and you'll actually have the mind of an animal. But listen to what the Scripture says in verse 26 of Daniel 4. It says, The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. So this this dream is a prophetic word to Nebuchadnezzar that everything's going to be taken away from you. You're going to be made to go crazy like an animal, live in the wilderness, but it will be restored to you when finally you acknowledge that heaven rules. Verse 27, Daniel says, Therefore, your majesty, Be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Now, here's where the story gets crazy. So King Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's the man, has created this kingdom. He's living in contentment. He gets a tormenting dream where Daniel interprets it to him and says, listen, you have to acknowledge that heaven is in charge. Otherwise, everything's gonna get taken from you. Listen to what happens. 12 months later, as King Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built? as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Who's going, dude, stop. <laughs> like you're reading the story and you're like, somebody stop him. Just 
And I was talking to someone in between the service actually, and we were talking about how this is such a reflection of us because we listen, we read this story and go, what's he doing? But we do that. God tells us not to do something on Sunday and then Monday we're giving it a red hot crack. Listen to this, verse 31 of Daniel 4. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken away from you. And that's exactly what happens. Everything's taken from him. He loses his mind and he goes out into the wilderness. And then King Nebuchadnezzar writes this. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. I love that scripture. I feel like that by itself is just really cool because I do believe that if you are losing your sanity, fix your eyes on heaven. You've lost perspective. But as he does that, sanity comes back to him. And then this is what happens. Nebuchadnezzar says, Then I praised the Most High. I honoured and glorified Him who lives forever. His, this is King Nebuchadnezzar now talking about God. It's taken Time in the wilderness for him to get this revelation. It says, His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Verse 36, At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honour and splendour were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. And my advisers and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now listen to this, verse 37 of Daniel 4. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything He does is right and all His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He is able to humble. Can somebody say oofed? If you don't humble yourself, God will, and it will work. (laughs) And it will be hectic and it will be painful. The Word of God is a gracious warning to us. Listen to this story. Don't do what Nebuchadnezzar does and get a warning from God to humble yourself. What does that mean? Come under the Lordship of Christ. Look to heaven. Don't look inwardly. Don't look to your own wisdom, but look to God. If we don't, God will succeed in humbling us. Number two was mercifully, we get to try. Number three, I don't know, but God does. I don't know, but God does. How often do you find yourself saying this? Because I practically would encourage you to say this probably 19 times a day. Um, I don't know, but God does. I say this a lot because all the time, I don't know, but God does. (laughs) Now, listen, this is important. This is not permission for us to be lazy. And what I mean by that is if someone asks you a question about the, the Word of God or a situation, you say, I don't know, but God does. And then you carry on with it. That's, that's lazy. That's not good. What this is, it's an acceptance that God has the answers. And here's how you find them. You find it in His Word or you find it out in time by watching and discerning by the Holy Spirit what's happening. We have the capacity to know the truth, but it comes from God. And the the only true wisdom I can share everybody or anyone can share from this pulpit is from the Word of God. And whether or not they make citations or not, whether it works or not comes down to it being the Word of God. And sometimes you find out the hard way whether something something was God or something wasn't. And even as a pastor, as a leader, there's things that I've initiated through program or strategy that at the time I thought were God. And then six months down the track, we found out it was Jordan. 
How did we find that out? It wasn't great. And that's okay. But here's the issue. Sometimes we back ourselves into a corner to have to make something work because we said it was God. Or we said that we knew. We know. When reality is we don't know, but God does. And listen, trying stuff and failing it is okay as long as you haven't oversold yourself, which is watch me go. It's like, all right, we're watching. It better work. And then they're going under their breath. It better work. I hope it works. It's dangerous because many times in life, everybody, we don't know what to do. But the reality is that God does. So we look to the Word, we watch and discern. I don't know if it'll work, but God does. So let's read and let's see. Whether something's God or not, or wisdom, true wisdom or not, I would encourage us to have a response like Gamaliel in the book of Acts. This is a very obscure story, so strap in. <laughs> the disciples get out of prison and they're preaching the gospel and the religious leaders are ticked. And so we're gonna read what happens here as we look at this point of, I don't know, but God does. So Acts chapter five is gonna come on the screen. The religious leaders here, it says, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. Listen to this, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Opposition to God. What is that? It's the religious leaders proudly saying, we know that what they are doing is wrong and demonic and counter to Scripture. Gamaliel says, I don't know, but God does. So let's watch and see. Let's discern and watch and see because there's two precedents for other people doing the same thing. They're all dead, all scattered and it's over. We can confirm that the message of Jesus, the followers of Jesus have not ended and scattered. We are continuing. So Gamaliel was right. Let's watch and see. And we saw and it's good. <laughs> God knows and we've got to let Him show us sometimes. We've got to not be too confident to say, I know exactly what's going on here. I'm deeming it this. I think it's better to say, I don't know, but God does. So let's seek the Scriptures or let's discern and watch and see what happens. We hear this principle echoed a little bit in Luke 7.35. This is actually in Scripture four times, this sentence. Jesus says this, He says, Wisdom is proven right by her children. Wisdom is proven right by her children. So the fruit of it proves that it was wise. Because we don't want momentary fruit. Wisdom doesn't produce momentary fruit. It produces long-term fruit. You'll know something was wise by what's in the children. The principle there is that what continues and carries on after. You don't know if someone's a good parent when their kids are three. You know when they're 43, right? That's what this is saying. And it's, it's like leaving it to God, everybody. 
And, and like that scripture where God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He's saying, leave vengeance up to me. Just don't worry about it. That's like us trying to prove that something is wise or not. Just leave it to God. We will find out. We will observe. And I think today, my generation as young people, we can say big things and it's not a bad thing, but when we say, we are going to change the world, watch me go. It's like, all right, you better do it. <laughs> you better do it. Put a lot of pressure on yourself. But I think we've got to have more of that heart and that thinking of don't tell me, show me. And Proverbs 27 says, don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what a day may bring. That Scripture's encouraging us. Don't say, hey, tomorrow I am going to fix it and be epic because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We say, God, I'm not sure. You do. So let me find out in your Word and let me watch with discernment and wisdom. We don't know, but God does. So let's read, let's pray, let's watch. Amen. Point number four, the last thing to put on the mirror at home. I am but a servant. I am but a servant. Matthew 23 verse 11 says, But he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. This is so powerful, verse 7. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And lastly, 1 Peter 4.10 as we get ready to wrap it up, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I just think as a Christian, everybody, saying I've got a heart that I'm here to help, it's not enough. Because we can be here to help with a cape on, saying I'm super whatever. Or we can be, I'm here to help at a big desk with all the wisdom and all the qualifications. We need to look like a servant. We're not here to help as a superhero. We are not the Avengers. I actually love when people preach on David and Goliath and they draw the reality out that in that story, we're not David. We're the Israelites hiding behind the rocks. Jesus is David. We need to not say I'm here to help because that can come with pride. I'm here to help because I got a lot to offer. We've just established <laughs> we've got nothing to offer. Have you ever seen a proud servant? It's not possible. A servant, someone that's just there, I'm here to help because I know my place in this. And I know my place in the kingdom and in the world. I'm here to be a servant of Jesus Christ and a servant to His people, seeking to expand the kingdom of God. I'm here to be a blessing. I'm not here to be blessed. If in trying to be a blessing, God blesses me, praise God, I'm blessed. But I'm not here to be served, I'm here to serve. I should be down in the dirt, exhausted in the pursuit of service to God and His people. 
And I remember wrestling with this as a young Christian, this concept of being a servant, because I used to think, God, won't I get used and abused by people? I just felt, you know, God remind me, you know, do you wanna look like me or not? Won't I get used and abused? Yeah, do you wanna look like Jesus or not? He was used and abused by people in pursuit of obedience to God and the furthering of His Kingdom. Humility is evident in a submitted life to the ways of Christ. And where was He? He was with people that people wrote off, that people didn't wanna be around. He was washing feet. He was doing a whole bunch of stuff. That you would say, hey, the Son of God shouldn't do that. A servant should, right. And we wrestle sometimes, we say, I'm above that because I'm a child of God. Yeah, well, <laughs> God came to earth in the form of a man and He took the form of a servant. And He's calling you and I to do the same. You know, as we get ready to close, I do find that in trying to avoid being prideful, sometimes we do some weird things. Sometimes we never admit that we're happy with how we did something. So I might finish preaching today. Pastor Amber might say, George, great message. And I'll say, oh no, it's just the worst. It was terrible. Oh, I'm just so terrible. I'm so terrible. That's not, that's not good. That's, that's weird. And sometimes in trying to not be prideful, we just never admit that God has gifted us. Pastor Luke might say, George, great message. You're such a gifted speaker. Oh no, I'm not gifted at all. I'm just, mm. that's so weird. And, and then we never admit that we're called. And, and we were laughing in the last service because one thing that we do in this pursuit of like weird humility is someone will say, hey, great job today. And I say, it was all God. And then they'll be like, well, it wasn't that good. Like, I've honestly, in, I've honestly in the life of church, like put on food at a meeting and someone would be like, hey, great spread today, George. And I'm like, oh, it was all God. They're like, gee, if God put a spread on, it wouldn't be Domino's, mate. I just want to say, if you're somebody that says it was all God, it better be flipping awesome what you did, eh? Like, don't blame, don't put that on God. So in the pursuit of that, I've got some healthy filters because I think what we can do sometimes, I don't want to be prideful, so I'm, I'm not gifted, I'm not called, I'm not great. It, like, that's, don't do that, that's weird. So I've got five healthy filters, they're all gonna come up, we're gonna have a look. These are great things to ask yourself in life, daily. If you're doing an activity where someone might encourage you or esteem you, these are really helpful. So within all of this, what I'm doing, am I aware of my brokenness? Am I aware that humility is a daily pursuit is really what that speaks to. I'm broken. My perspective on stuff's broken. Um, I, I like to quote the Greek, we're cooked. Um, number two, what do I think I deserve? What do I think I deserve? Number three, where do my abilities come from? An acknowledgement that it's come straight from God. Who gets the glory? Absolutely God. And lastly, who am I seeking to bless by what I'm doing? And this is good because I think this can help you healthily navigate doing things for God without letting pride get in the door and with also not letting this weird Christian culture humility projection thing get in there as well. Because within this, you can acknowledge, I am gifted and it's come from God. I've got to steward it. I'm acknowledging that I'm, I'm fundamentally broken on the inside and God's changing me day by day. Everything I do, I'm seeking to make it about God and I'm seeking to bless others with everything that I do. You can have some healthy acknowledgement in there that God has called you, He's using you. And for this season, He wants to use you, He's placed you there at that time for that season. And I think it's healthy when we're sort of making that case of God, I'm just, I can't believe you're using me. I'm not the right person. But He says, hey, for right now, you are the right person. 
get over it. <laughs> Let me just close with these Scriptures, everybody. It says uh, in Psalms 138, we read it at the start. It says, Though the Lord is on high, yet He regards the lowly, but the proud He knows from afar. And the proverb that says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Church, I do not want to know God from afar. And I do not wanna be in opposition to God. Humility is the key. If you're here this morning, you say, I wanna know God up close. And I do not wanna be in opposition to God. I'm telling you, humility is the key. I deserve nothing but holy judgment. Mercifully, I get to try. I don't know, but God does. And I am but a servant. Let those get in your spirit. It will start to begin a process of getting you heading in the right direction. This is not something we finish. It's like the pursuit of of holiness or righteousness in your life. It's not something you finish until we're in glory. Trying to work on your humility, you're not gonna wake up tomorrow and say, I've finished the process. Because as soon as you say that, it's time to start again. And so all I can encourage you to do is today get a greater revelation and a greater passion to work on humility in your life, to daily ask yourself, where am I on the spectrum? Holy Spirit, show me where on the pride humility spectrum I sit today. Would you help me in Jesus' Name? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.